Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode you all are in for such a treat today because we have Jeff Nelson, who is the chief operating officer and co-founder of Blavity, which is a really cool digital media company that really just goes above and beyond about keeping communities of color informed and entertained and just included in the conversations, whether it's travel, um, decorating your home. Um, they have the cool conference Afrotech. They do so much incredible stuff um, and just really give people of color a seat at the table and just it's phenomenal like I can't even talk like I'm losing track of words because they just do so much cool stuff so I am so excited about this conversation Jeff really goes into so much detail and just all the amazing work that the company is up to and doing so if you like media if you like just learning if you're nosy this conversation for you because Jeff truly they're mind-blowing of all the stuff they're doing so let's get into today's episode Jeff, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. All right. Before we kick things off, we always do a thing here where we ask the question, what the term young influential means to you. So whatever you, whatever, <laughs> whatever you feel, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think I have to break that down. So young, I think young is relative. I just had a birthday. I'm not going to say how old I turned, but I think, <laughs> I think young, you know, young and youth is, is a relative term. So uh, if you feel young, you are young. And then influential is really just the ability to inspire people and to set trends and get other people to, I think those trends are cool and to try to do it themselves. So uh, I, I hope that I fit that bill. I, I think I'm young. I, I hope that I'm inspiring some people to do some cool things. So that's my answer. Come on, listen. Age isn't just a number, so you know it's what? just a number. It's just I'm a like, number. That doesn't know? that doesn't mean anything. Like you're good. Exactly. That's anything. <laughs> but exactly. before we get into like all the cool stuff you're up to now at Blavity, take us back to childhood, Jeff. Like, were there mm. any media company sites, publication, anything that kind of inspired you? Where you were like, oh dang, like I can do that, or like that's what I want to do. Yes. So I was born in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago on the South side. So if anybody is listening uh, from Chicago or in Chicago, shout out to you. Um, And there are a couple of key moments in my life. So media has always been of interest to me. I remember when I was young, I don't, I don't remember exactly what age, but younger than I should have been doing this. I I was maybe six, seven, eight years old. Um, We had a computer in, in the home and Instead of me like playing lots of video games, I started a newspaper 
for my, like a neighborhood newspaper. So I would go door to door, talk to my neighbors and just see what, what they had going on. And then I would go and create this news uh, letter, or newspaper that I would then go and sell. Right. So that was my first foray into entrepreneurship, but really my first foray into just understanding the power of information to connect people. Right. Even though we all lived on the same block, even though we lived in the same neighborhood, uh, people didn't necessarily know what other people had going on. And I just and, and you know, the funny thing is that I remember I, my mom would watch soap operas. <laughs> right. I don't know if anybody is familiar with that. Like, you know, the days of our lives, all my children, one life to live. My mom watched those. And so while she's watching those, I'm kind of getting a sense of the story. And there was one, one of the soap operas, one of the characters, the business that they had, they ran a newspaper. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. So I, I wanted to be like that character. So I was like, oh, let me start my own newspaper. Um, so it really, it really just came from that, me trying to emulate what I saw. And <clears throat> That was my first, you know, my first entrepreneurial gig. My first foray into media was was starting that, and that really just kind of continued on throughout my childhood. There was this 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 you know dynamic of being a part of something and wanting to easily disseminate information because information was power and information was the key to connection. And so all the things that I was interested in, you know, I remember that. Um, you know, in the in, in some of the early days of like the the internet, you know, going back to AOL. I'm saying early days, like I'm like you know. Listen, you know, talk like, about I, it. Like, I know, talk about I know we talked about H- we struggled. I, right, right, I know we talked about HBN, you know, relative, right? But <laughs> dial up AOL. Um, I remember I used to really enjoy uh, wrestling, like WWE back when it was called WWF, and I used to be a part of these like fantasy wrestling. Uh, like there were fantasy wrestling role playing leagues, I guess you, you could call it, where you would create a character and you would go on these message boards and you would type up what was like a promo. And then somebody who was in charge of the league would simulate who won the match. Um, and so I was really, really into that. And I remember the league that I was a part of, I created the website for it and was sort of responsible for creating like the stories about all the different characters and sending the newsletter out. So, you know, this idea of media, I didn't think of it as media. Like I didn't, I never, what's funny is I never thought of myself from childhood and even into now as being in in media because it's so natural for me. It's sort of just like, this is me, you know, creating content, consuming content and wanting to give people information. And so that's always how I've thought about it. No, that's so true. And I feel like you brought up a good point. Like, because uh, I was a huge WWEF person, also Eddie Guerrero was my favorite mm. wrestler. Um, but mm. I remember, like, back yeah, that, that's like, a good conversation. Yeah, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, I was like, listen, <laughs> like, I, I was like, I'm trying to like not go down the rabbit hole. I could go down that rabbit hole with you, like, oh, okay, Stone Cold, The Rock, oh, yes, like, you know, Undertaker, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, we're here, we're here. I'm we're like, here. I could I go you. down that road. Um, but no, that's so true. And I feel like that was like one of the things that drew me into. Like, I feel like everybody who's like consumes me or into it's always looking for that sense of community. So for mm-hmm. um, like you to say like, that was like a thing that I wanted to really like uh, hone on to and connect with like how, what what's going on around us. And I feel like that was so vital and so key. Um, like growing up, we're being like, who can we connect with? Like what's actually going on? Like, well, like if it wasn't on the radio, it's like we had to read it in magazines or whatever. And yeah. just the power of community was just so important because it's like, if we didn't, then 
we really don't know what's going on like with this. We didn't have Absolutely. social media like that. So like we had to rely on like those sources and those mediums to do that. For sure. Absolutely. And like, did you do any internships or did you study anything further to kind of uh, explore that skill more or how did you kind of like develop that? So, so in college, I studied computer science. So I am as much of a tech geek nerd. I like, I love to be, you know, sort of keys on the keyboard, creating and building software. Uh, that's how I like to spend my free time. Uh, so I studied computer science, but while I was in college, I had a TV show on campus. So again, this idea of media has always just sort of been there in the background. It was never my focus, like I want to study journalism or I want to go into media. It was just always something that came natural to me as part of everything else that I was doing. So I had this TV show on the campus television station. It was a show called B-Side. And it was actually started by before I got to the university. I went to Washington University in St. Louis. And there was a woman, um, Amani Cheers, who started this show. And she started it because WashU is a predominantly white institution. And with there being so few Black people on campus, she wanted to create a space where Black people could have a creative outlet. So she started this show called B-Side. And the show had been going on for, you know, uh, five years. She started her freshman year. So when she graduated, she handed it over to another senior, a guy called Maurice Bland. And he was was producing the show and directing the show. And I came to visit the university for one of those pre-freshman weekends. And... I was just this audacious, I wasn't even a freshman, this audacious pre-freshman that I was like, I want to go to the TV station. And they were, they were filming the show. And I was like, I want to, I want to be on camera. I want to go up there. So they let me get up there and guest host. They interviewed a pre-freshman, but I sort of, um, I don't want to say I took over the show, but you know, my charisma was, (laughs) (laughs) it was was evident, you know, um, start a star in the making. And Needless, you know, I, I, um, I did a great job on the show. And they were like, okay, you're coming here next year. We want you to actually be a host on the show. And, and again, the guy who was directing and running it, he was graduating. He was like, no, actually, I want you to take over the show. I want you to produce it oh, and carry on the legacy, right? I was like, oh, wow. So got the opportunity to do that. And I poured so much time and energy into that. And it's just amazing when I think about the stuff, the the creators that you know you see now on TikTok and Instagram, and before that YouTube and Vine and all these platforms, the stuff that they're doing, I was doing. I was either helping to create, I was either writing, I was directing or producing content like that while I was in college. But there were no platforms for it. There was no broader platform to distribute these things. We were doing all these segments such as, you know, street walking segments where we would interview people and ask them random questions, which is a common thing you see see on you uh, on YouTube now. We were doing these things where we would create characters and dress up and and have these little skits and that you know, they were comedic <laughs> in nature. We were doing all this stuff, right? And yeah. and I and I just think back at that time finally, I, I I feel like I was ahead of my time in that sense, but it was such a labor of love. Like I spent so much time doing it, but it never felt like work just because I had an amazing time um, with that. So even though I did, I never studied journalism or media uh, per se, it was always a part of my experience. As you, you hear from childhood, it was a part of it uh, with the newspaper for my community. And so being in college, starting this or, or being a part of this television show and really trying to take it to the next level and elevate it. 
And did you feel like when you when you finally did like study your freshman year there that that took away a lot of your time from studies and uh, doing like oh, yeah. just focusing on school? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, part of, I, I always joke part of the reason that I ended up studying computer science is because we I didn't have to go to class. Like computer science <laughs> classes were great because they would give they would give semester long projects. So you'd show up on the first day and they'd be like build build a Facebook clone. You have all semester to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. You know, 15 weeks semester, I'll figure it out in, in week 12 or something like that, right? So I, I, I missed a lot of class, right? Um, I don't recommend that to anyone, but I was able to pour a lot into extracurricular. So I did the TV show. I was student body president. I was a tour guide. Like I was really, really involved on campus um, because I feel like, you know, with college, the acquisition of knowledge, especially now in the age of the internet, the acquisition of knowledge can happen anytime, right? There's so much information out there that you can acquire knowledge. The purpose of college is about an experience. It's about growing and, and, and sort of becoming a person that has lived and experienced things and, and has created and been a part of things that are bigger than yourself. And that's what I was able to do with the TV show. And I don't regret that at all. In fact, I think it is Stuff like that is is really a big part of how I've been able to help start Blavity and grow the company to where we are today with with the amazing brands that we have and the Afrotech conference and the things that we do. And I feel like you touched on a, a point thing because I know like when I was coming through with school, um, that was a huge thing that I struggled with because I was doing uh, volunteering at music festivals and doing mm-hmm. interviews and going <laughs> over here and I would a lot of times like miss class or be late or people be like, are you not tired and stuff? And I feel like nowadays a lot of people are like, are see they hit that roadblock where they're like, I can't do both. And not saying that like for those who are like, I don't want to give up being a architectural Mm -hmm. major, whatever you can do it, but you will run ragged. (laughs) You will run ragged. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure that I'm paying for it now in some ways. You know, I'm sure that there's, you know, nights that I miss sleeping or, or whatever. I'm sure I'm paying for it now, but it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and fast forward to like now, can you kind of walk us through like what your current role is and um, a little bit about Blavity and like what you guys do? Yeah, so Blavity is the largest collection of brands and experiences for Black millennials and Gen Z. We have six owned and operated properties. We just launched a new one, so I got to get used to saying six instead of five. Uh, so on our uh, Blavity Media side of things, we've got Blavity Entertainment, we've got Shadow and Act, we've got 2190 on the commerce side, Travel Noir, and we've got Afrotech, which is both a conference and a brand. And we just launched a new brand called Home and Texture, which is for uh, people who are looking to turn their house or their apartment into a home and really elevate the space and make it speak to them and speak for them. Um, so that's what we do on the media side. But in addition to that, as I mentioned, we have Afrotech Conference, which is the largest con- which is the largest conference for Black entrepreneurs, techies, founders, and executives anywhere in the world. Uh, Afrotech is all about connecting companies with underrepresented talent. So, in addition to Afrotech Conference, where we get over twenty thousand people to convene in a city and congregate and experience uh, shared space together, we also have SaaS platforms that allow companies to get connected with underrepresented talent that are looking for jobs and also for that talent to build uh, meaningful connections and network with other uh, like-minded people as part of our membership program. And so that's, that's what Blavity is. So what do I do there? 
I am one of the co-founders. So Blavity was founded in 2014 uh, by uh, Morgan Devon, who is our CEO, myself and Aaron Samuels and uh, Jonathan Jackson. We all were students at Washington University. We founded the company and we've been growing it ever since. My role is chief operating officer. Uh, I've always been the uh, technical person behind the company. So started off being the technical co-founder, building all of our platforms and our sites and building all of our products uh, from the tech side. And now on a day-to-day basis, I oversee our commerce brands. So I oversee 2190, which is our brand for uh, beauty, fitness, uh, personal empowerment, health, wellness. I oversee Travel Noir, which is our brand about, which is obviously our brand about travel, but also also cultural exchange and authentic experiences outside of your locality. And then I oversee Home and Texture as well, uh, which is which is the brand I just referenced. And I oversee Afrotech. So that was a lot, but you know, Blavity's doing a lot. I want to make sure you all got all of that and, and just understand <laughs> <laughs> understand you know why we're so excited about the work that we do. Come on, no, that's so cool. And I feel like you touched on a really cool point. I feel like. Now, like not just overall brands should reach millennials and Gen Z, but I feel like uh, you guys do a good job of kind of reaching people where they are, like with millennials, like buying a house and like addressing like the finance stuff. But then, like Gen Z, like maybe like the entertainment and like more of the like apartment type stuff. Like, is there a strategy that you guys do to kind of make sure there's a balance between reaching millennials where they are, like for the first time home buyers or like career stuff to also Gen Z? Like, is there a way that you guys balance strategize it? Yes, we have so many discussions about this. And what we realized is, you know, when we started Blavity, we started this out of college. So we started it, um, you know, eight, nine years ago. And I said I wasn't going to reveal my age, but I'm going to reveal my age. I just turned 35, right? So Come I am on, kinda, let's go. You know, I'm kind of smack dab in that, in that millennial uh, demographic, I think, right? So what we realized when we started Blavity, you know, almost 10 years ago, what we were we were just out of college we were getting our first jobs the things that we were looking for the things that we were doing were different like the experience of black millennials it was different now that we've grown up you know eight nine ten years later we're buying homes we're buying houses that we're turning into homes right we're starting families we're thinking about wealth creation and wealth building and, and passing wealth down we're thinking about a bunch of different things and so what we've realized is that Blavity has to grow up with our core audience. But at the same time, Gen Z is having a different experience. So we can't just say, well, how do we run Blavity 10 years ago when we were, you know, 20, 23, 24, 25 years old? And how do we do that for Gen Z? Because Gen Z has a totally different experience. Gen Z consumes content in a vastly different way. Gen Z likes more short form content. Uh, Gen Z... <clears throat> tends to want content that is authentic in different ways, right? And so our strategy is first and foremost for the millennial audience to grow up with that audience and develop brands that speak to the new experiences that we as millennials are having. But then for Gen Z to also create new brands that are um, spearheaded by members of Gen Z that can speak to Gen Z in a way that is authentic. So we have our uh, Blavity U brand and Afrotech U brands, which are um, derivatives of those core brands that speak to a Gen Z audience. And so that's, that's the strategy that we're always talking about and we're, we're always fine tuning, but I think we've struck the right balance so far. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And um, does that same strategy, I know, I'm, this is probably answering my own question, but like applied to like your social media too, where you guys are trying to figure out like what sticks. Like I know we talked about like short room versus long form, but kind of like, I feel like they're really like what TikTok and other platforms, you kind of don't know what the audience is going to like till you see what sticks. So when you guys are like filming more long form content, are you guys just like saying like, oh, let's figure out ways to cut this up and to make it into like cool short form pieces? Or are you guys doing completely different content for that short form versus long form? You know, media is interesting because you we've we've had experiences and I'm sure others can speak to this where you can have content that goes viral and is popular on social media, but you don't make any money off of it for a couple of reasons. One is just because you don't own those platforms. You don't own the audience. And, and even if you get a cut of what YouTube is willing to offer you or what TikTok is willing to offer you as a creator, it pales in comparison for a company like Blavity, um, where when we have content on our own platforms and we have clients and sponsors that want to pay for those things, what we can do on social media, a viral video doesn't make us the same kind of money, right? And so part of what we've had to understand is that when we're creating content, we've got to be clear about its purpose. There is certainly a value to just building brand equity and brand awareness, which is, you know, we may create content that we put out on social and it may go viral. It may get us followers. We don't expect to make any money off of it. But on the flip side, we can't we can't spend you know tens of thousands of dollars producing that content, right? Um, but conversely, there is content where we may have a sponsor that is really interested in the concept and really being a part of it and helping us to produce it. And so that helps to offset some of the production cost of it where we can produce very, very high quality content. And yes, we can distribute it on social and, and it could go viral, but also we can distribute that on our platforms we're in partnership with other platforms. Like we're uh, currently doing a partnership with Pinterest where we're creating some original shows and distributing it exclusively on their platforms first before we bring it onto our own platforms. So for us, it's really just this understanding of not creating content for the sake of content, but understanding what's the purpose of it. Is it going to be about building a brand awareness or is it going to be about generating revenue and then investing in the content accordingly? And then calibrating the strategy within those confines. And uh, <clears throat> you touched on a good point too, because I feel like with a lot of companies, a lot of businesses and stuff, like you'll have like tons of brands and stuff that come that approach them. But I feel like you hit on the main thing. It's like, is this going to drive revenue to us? Like, is this going to bring traffic to our website? Like 
how do we take ownership of this? And then also um, elongate that partnership. Like, I feel like that's something a lot of people forget. They're like, oh, such and such brand wants to work with us on um, this conference or this event. But like, how can you uh, leverage that partnership to be something long-term that can go beyond that and like how you can actually work together. And then also that speaks to your audience. Like you can hit all the numbers all you want to, but if it doesn't speak to your audience, it kind of just like falls flat. So you have to make sure yeah. it also hits with your audience too. <laughs> and, and one thing, you know, th- that's important to note is we just launched Home and Texture, right? Which is our, our new brand. <clears throat> it's one of our what we call our commerce brands, and I oversee those brands. And the reason we call them commerce brands is because this is a shift in our strategy where we recognize that there are some of our brands are putting out content and providing information that help people purchase products. And if we're able to help people make informed product purchasing decisions about where they travel, what they do in the places where they travel, about which hair products to use, and now with home te- home and texture about which uh, pieces of furniture they buy, or um, you know which if they're uh, renovating a space in their house, which products they use, which tools they use, and we're able to provide information that's valuable in and of itself. And then getting those people onto our site, yes, we can monetize them in the way that we in, that media is traditionally monetized through ads and sponsorship. But there's another lever that we can pull for additional revenue, which is what we're doing with commerce, which is where we can actually participate in the transaction. We're actually sending them to the merchant to buy their product. So we can actually re- participate in the realization of the upside from that transaction. So the, the consumer is going to make this purchase. So the, so the merchant, they were never going to discover that merchant if they didn't discover our content mm-hmm. and and us saying, you know, how good it is, how great it is, you know, reviewing it, giving an honest assessment of it. Um, so now with our commerce brands, that's part of the strategy as well. So not only is it about can we create content that is sponsorable by some big client or big company, it's about can we create content and distribute it in a way where people are going to say, oh, wow, I love how this space looks or I love this excursion that you know this this uh, person did in this country that I've never been to before. I'm going to go to Travel Noir and I'm going to book a flight and I'm going to book the same excursion. I'm going to go to Home and Texture and I'm going to read about their process for renovation and I'm going to buy the same tools and the same paint and the same furniture because I want to go to similar space. No, that that's so that's so cool. And speaking of like Home and Texture, when you were saying that, I was like, dang, I'm looking for some area rugs. Like, I I need to yes. go. So, I was like, I need to go like, got you. I was like, I need to go through and like see what kind of area we're recommendations. <laughs> yes, we we got you. Yes, HomeandTexture.com. Check it out. <laughs> and then, like, I know we talked about it briefly, but AfroTech, can you kind of walk us through that? Because honestly, that event is truly mm-hmm. one of its one of a kind and does amazing great work not just exposing people like connecting like that just yeah yeah, like just so much so so we were last year we were in austin texas i had over twenty thousand people in the city for afrotech and i say that because when we started afrotech in 2016 we had 800 people in a mall in san francisco humble beginnings but in 2016 when we had those 800 black people in a mall in san francisco all there talking about tech entrepreneurship and professional development. We had companies there showing off their products and recruiting. That felt like the pinnacle. It felt like we made it. But then the next year, we we had double that number. Then the year after that, we had you know triple that number, right? And now to to get to the point where 
in Austin, Texas, where we have tens of thousands of people literally come to the city for that purpose, especially after having to be virtual for two years. It is humbling. When, when I tell you, you know, I've been a part of Afrotech since the beginning, but going back to the first in-person Afrotech conference in a couple of years and seeing that, I felt I got emotional, right? I, I didn't look at it from the standpoint of like, we built this and we helped to put it on. I looked at it and, and felt it from the standpoint of just being a Black person in tech and in media who is an entrepreneur and being around so many people who are also in that space, who just want to feel seen, who want to feel like that they like they're not unicorns and they're not anomalies, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like too often, as a as a black person in these spaces, you 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 feel like you're an other. You either feel like you have to overperform because you're representing you representing the whole race, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got you to wear that burden at work, or you feel strange because you don't have anybody else that you can relate to. And that also relates to why, you know, me, Morgan and Aaron and Jonathan started Blavity in the first place. Because when we got out of college and we moved to me and Morgan in the Bay Area, Aaron um, in Boston on the East Coast, Jonathan in New York, we were in these spaces where we felt either strange because we didn't see anybody else or we felt like we had to overperform because we were representing the entire demographic. And so to be in a space where, you know, people call it black homecoming at Afrotech, where you see other people and you can just sort of be authentically you, right? You can be the senior director at this company, but then you can also go to the Wale concert and, and, and turn up and, and have a great time, <laughs> right? That, that's amazing. And so that's really what Afrotech is about. And really everything that Blavity does is first and foremost about building community and creating space for that community to come together in an authentic way. And then in the midst of that community, facilitating the exchange of content so that people are more informed, people are more inspired, and people can go into the world and create happiness for themselves. That's what it's all about. And that's such a true point, too, because I, I know like some people attend a lot of these conferences and it's and there might be like two or three people of color in the room. But when you get to attend a conference like Afrotech, where you're like, oh, I actually know somebody because even like you might go back to your small company where there might be only two or three of you, but you're like, oh, I met this cool girl um, who from Macon, Georgia, who also works um, in computer science that I can call up and talk to. So it's like they provide so much more than just like exposure for companies or to quote unquote check a box. But it's like when you go, you get to build community and find out be like, oh, I'm not alone. Like I can create these friendships or these uh, see these examples of ways that like I that I'm not alone in what I'm doing and that you know, that I don't have, like you said, I don't have to overperform. I don't have to do all of this. I can just go there and be, I don't know, uh, and, and, Joanne. Yeah, you can, I wanna, <laughs> right. Well, I, I do want to drill, drill in on that a little bit because that's exactly what we're doing with the Afrotech membership and Afrotech app uh, product that, that we're building now. Because the world is, is shifted where so many people who work in tech are fortunate enough to have the option to work either from home or work in a hybrid environment. So the landscape has changed, right? And it used to be where if you worked at, um, if you were commuting to the office every day, but if you were the only Black person or one of few Black people, maybe you'd find community elsewhere, right? I remember for me before Blavity, it was finding community in, in the people who were service providers, right? Who were the cooks and the janitors and, and the people who provided different services. They didn't work at the company, but they were in the building providing services, right? I found community there because, you know, they more often than not 
um, were black like me. And they would look at me and they say, oh, hey, I see you. Right. There, there's the famous picture of um, President Obama when he's dapping the janitor. Right. Just this mm-hmm. this phenomenon where they sort of feel this pride of like, hey, you made it. Right. And and for me, it was also feeling this sense of like, hey, like I'm just because I'm here doesn't mean that, you know, we aren't family and we aren't community. Right. <clears throat> and so you you could rely on experiences like that. But now that's. An unfortunate side effect of of people being able to work from home. There are lots of benefits from it, but you sort of lose that serendipity in finding community in different mm-hmm. places. Whether it's you go to lunch and you find somebody who's uh, working at the at the um, at the place you're getting lunch from, and, and you build a build a little relationship there. And so, part of what we want to do is one is when people go to Afrotech and they meet these people, and it's like, oh my gosh, like I live in Atlanta. It's like, oh, you live in Atlanta too. Right. You you one discover people mm-hmm. who are in your backyard, but also you discover people where, you know, there are a lot of people I met at Afrotech this past year who live in Austin. So the next time I go to Austin, I want to be able to pull up my Afrotech app and be like, who did I meet at Afrotech that's actually in Austin? Right. I, it's not somebody where we're necessarily going to exchange numbers and talk every day. But when I'm in your city and we and we chopped it up and we had a good time at the conference. Oh, let me like send you a message. And be like, hey, like I'm in town. And even if we don't meet up, where should I grab lunch? Right, like go or to Right, exactly. Or where's a, where's a good place for me to go co work? Right, it's 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 little stuff like that that I think builds so much value that we want to facilitate, and I'm excited to be overseeing our efforts in doing so. And do you guys have any aside from Afrotech? Do you guys have any plans to doing these types of types of events in other spaces, like in the home area? Like I'm thinking of now, like Black and people of color interior designers or. Mm-hmm. Um, types like do you guys have do you guys think about like doing stuff like that also like yeah our event strategy is very expansive so two two parts of that one with afrotech there's afrotech conference but we also have these afrotech executive experiences so this year we'll be having uh one in seattle uh last year we had one in los angeles and in uh, brooklyn and washington dc um and so we'll be having these many afrotech one day experiences where we get people to come and talk about a, a specific thing, right? So we, we talked about gaming, we talked about uh, sports and tech, uh, we've talked about uh, wealth creation and legislation last year in DC. So having these thematic one-day experiences is part of the Afrotech event strategy. But outside of Afrotech, um, yeah, like we, we want to be able to have people meet for all of our brands in ways that make sense, right? So <clears throat> part of what we used to do for Travel Noir was, was plan these trips uh, to, to get people to have these experiences, right? Um, we, we for, for Home and Texture, we'll be having an amazing launch party uh, where we'll, we'll get some influencers and some home uh, interior designers to, to come and, and really just talk about the joy of building space, right? We want to create all those kinds of experiences in a way that's authentic, that allows people, again, to, to get information and to get inspiration. Oh, I love that. I need to definitely check whenever you guys do a next one with that. I need to be like, all right, who has ideas yeah, we'll make sure. for floor pillows? Yes. I need to try. I need some floor pillow ideas. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we got you. We got you. And then, like, for my last question to wrap us up, like, what advice do you have for somebody who's been listening? It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, love that you guys have this space, um, that you did all this, that you got to work at a TV station in, in school. But 
um, didn't really doesn't really have that experience in media, but looking to make that shift because I feel like mm-hmm. now we're seeing a lot of people want to shift into the media landscape and stuff, but a lot of people feel like, oh well, I don't have this background, I don't have that background, I didn't work at a station like in school, or my I, I didn't study journalism. Like, do you have any advice for those who are looking to kind of make the jump? My advice is just do it. The internet is the great equalizer. Um, you can get information and share information just like that, right? Now, that there's obviously some risks to that, right? There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of disinformation that's out there. Um, but if you're somebody who's authentic and you have either a story to tell or information to share, expertise you want to offer, or really just you want to entertain and make people feel good, the internet is your platform. And you know, my advice is one to just do it. And the reason I say just do it is because, and I don't mean just start, I mean, start, but keep at it. Because oftentimes people get frustrated when they put something out, mm-hmm. they, they put <clears throat> they put something out on Instagram and it doesn't go viral. Or maybe their, their first post got a hundred likes and then the next one only gets 10 likes, right? Um, and oftentimes, whether it's in media or whether it's in tech and entrepreneurship, People always see the height of success. People never see the journey. They never see the journey. And so we, people are biased to think that, well, everything I see is about people being successful. So therefore, everybody must be, be successful. And since everybody is successful, it must be easy. And so if I try to do something and I'm not successful and or it's hard, then something must be wrong with me and I should quit. And that's actually not true, right? It's hard and not everybody is successful. And people who are successful, uh, it takes a long time to get there. So if you want to get into media, and and however you define media, if you want to be a traditional journalist, if you want to be a creator or an entertainer, if you really just want to put content out there, just create and try different things out, but be you, right? Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to imitate or, or replicate. Certainly let people influence you and and let it authentically become a part of who you are, but just be you and just do it. No, that's so true. Cause I feel like I always hear people say like, Oh, I, I want to start a YouTube or I want to be a host, but I got to have this first. I need to do that. And I'm like, you can't, you can't like wait till you have a quote unquote viral content idea. Like, Exactly. You wait for that. You'll be waiting forever. <laughs> and it, it's you, you know, it's always it. it's it's always people's. You know, I always joke. It's you. You'll go viral when you least expect it. I mean, there are so many people who go viral when they got the whether it's on Twitter and they got the tweet with the typo in, and they're like, oh man, I, I can't, I can't delete it now because it's going viral. <laughs> viral on Instagram, and it's it's the video that they didn't think would be the one, right? You know, when you when you when you try too hard and you try to make it happen and you try to force it, it probably won't happen. So you just gotta you just gotta do it and you just gotta be you and and you have to love it, right? Like I go back to when I was doing B side in college, I was spending hours doing it and it didn't matter to me if anybody watched, right? No, mm-hmm. if nobody watched, I still enjoyed the process and the journey, and that was enough for me. So if you get to the place where you enjoy the process and the journey in spite of who receives it or who witnesses it, then that's where you, that's a good place to be in and, and everything else will naturally follow. That's, that's, I completely agree. I agree to that. You kind of just, you can't, if you're doing it just for views or just for whatever, you're not passionate behind it, you're going to burn out quickly. So you have to sure. actually like what you're doing. Absolutely. For sure. And 
Jeff, thank you so much. This was so good. Like, I hope if people were taking notes because, like, in my head, I'm like, ooh, got to write that down. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity and the platform to share my story. And, uh, you know, hope, hopefully I'll be able to come on again and, and we can talk more about WWE, talk about, talk well, about some more. Let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. 